we go. I think I'm on. There we go. Hello, hello, hello. Good evening, good evening, good evening. I am so super excited. I have my earpiece back tonight, so I get to use both my hands. <laughs> it's so funny how, um, you know, use, we, we get used to certain things and then we get thrown off and it's kind of like, you know, in addition to last week uh, having the handheld, I also was battling a huge migraine and my mind was just really, really all over the place. And so I felt like I was all over the place and I said, you know what? Oh, no, 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 no. We're not having that again two weeks in a row. So if I seem a little extra happy tonight, ladies and gentlemen, you know why, because God healed me and I am so very, very happy. I'm also very excited that as much as I love the rain, I'm glad it's gone. That's what somebody said about their in-laws, and I said, oh, I don't know about that, but we need it. We need it. We need to be, you know, have the, our grounds nourished, and, you know, I'm very, very, very happy and excited to be here with all of you all tonight. I'm glad you made it here safely. We're going to have a good time. Um, we're going to learn. We're going to grow, and in order to kind of set the atmosphere and set the stage, if you don't mind, I'm just going to open up again in just a brief word of prayer to get myself situated, as they say. So, dear Lord, I just want to come to you uh, with your people tonight on one accord, and we commit this class and this meeting to you, Lord God, that it is all said and done for your glory, that we may be blessed to be a blessing by that which we will receive from you tonight. Holy Spirit, move and have your way in this place as you will. Use my mouth, Father God, to speak only that which you would like for your people to hear, Lord God. May only the truth go forth tonight and help us to have open ears and receptive hearts for that which you will show us tonight. Give us new light and new revelation, Father God, that our lives may be enriched for your glory. So I just thank you, Father God, for this privilege and this opportunity to be used as the platform by which you can stand tall and receive all the glory. And for those in the room that are in agreement with that prayer, everybody said amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to jump right in it tonight. Um, I've got some what I think is good stuff, and I hope that you think it's good stuff too. And uh, they always say how those that know me um, outside of church say, you know, that's the woman that's going to feed your soul and feed your belly too, because I've been cooking up a mean chicken tortilla soup lately, and it's been going really good with this kind of weather. So I had some right before I came tonight, so I'm, I'm really, really uh, full, but there's more room for the word, always room for the word. Like Pastor said, there's no place I'd rather be. And I'm just kind of going on the momentum. I had my Christian business meeting this morning, and we had a guest speaker that was just preaching. And you don't always get that. You know, there's the business and then there's the faith. But when you can combine both of those and be able to impact people with the word at 8 o'clock in the morning, we were jumping up and down and hallelujah. And I just kind of feel that same rhythm going. So you guys help me out out there, and we're going to get through this tonight and have an awesome time. Amen? All right. So as you can see from the screen, we are on week three of the, the character, character, good deeds, and the nature of Christ. So um, I realized in doing the studies for this entire series that this particular um, topic tonight of the nature of Christ was going to have to be a two-part series. And that was just because more and more uh, revelation knowledge kept being deposited and downloaded on the inside of me, and I wanted to purpose to take my time with it and give you as much as I could. So we're going to start tonight on part one of the nature of Christ. And I realize that this is a term that we probably hear often, and you may even have a thought or an opinion about what the nature of Christ means to you. So if you think about it, when, or when you see the title, when you hear the nature of Christ, in one word or a brief sentence, what do you think of when you think of the nature of Christ? Anybody want to share? Yes, sir. Serving. Serving. Absolutely. Love. Love. Okay. So, okay. And we, so we second that. Love and love and serving. Yes. Giving. Oh, and we had a <laughs> jinx. They said it at the same time. Giving. Absolutely. The nature of Christ. You know, it's interesting because what you all described 
is incorporated in what we're going to hear tonight and next week. But what I thought most people would come for, and maybe this is there and you just didn't say it, but a lot of times the nature of Christ, people think of the deity of Christ, right? Or the divinity, his divine nature, right? And that's absolutely true, and that's definitely a part of who he is. And I just realized, though, as I was doing my note, that a lot of my information was geared more towards the humanity of his nature versus the divinity of his nature. So we are going to have an extended version of the second part of that, but I did want to kind of set a foundation just for technicality to talk about the divine nature of Christ. Is that okay with you all? Okay, so basically, God gave me a foundational scripture for this portion of the series, and I think it's quite apropos, and it's going to come from 2 Peter. And I believe I listed the New Living Translation version of 2 Peter 1.4. Let's look at this foundational scripture tonight, and it says, And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you and I to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Now, is that not a good foundational scripture to set the nature of Christ on? I love this because when I go back and I look at it, you know, first and foremost, all for his glory, right? His glory and his excellence. He has given us, he's gifted us great and precious promises, but it didn't stop there, ladies and gentlemen. I love how we always say, but wait, there's more, right? Okay, so not only the great and precious promises, but these promises that enable us to share his divine nature. Some translations say, be partakers of his divine nature. I said, oh Lord, that is so good. So whatever it is that we're going to reveal and uncover tonight, ladies and gentlemen, this is what resides on the inside of you and I. And that right there is enough to just, again, give God all the glory. So um, just make a note of 2 Peter 1.4. Look it up in whatever translation you would like, but just know that um, God has set in his word that you and I are partakers of his divine nature. So in addition to that, I thought about, um, again, some of the basics that we usually think about when we're talking about the the nature of Christ and, again, the deity of Christ. So if we're talking about Christ the Son, the Son of God, we know that God is a tripart being. Okay, so if you're thinking about, you know, the circle of his being, three parts, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So the sonship is the third or the second person of the Godhead, which is part of his nature. He is God in that sense, okay? And I just wanted to um, lay that foundation there. Oops, sorry, you guys. There we go. Tripart being Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That is his divine nature is of God. And then, of course, we know from Scripture that if we're talking about the nature of Christ, doesn't the Bible tell us that in the beginning was the Word, right? John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So again, just looking at briefly the divinity or the deity of God and who Christ is, Christ is the Word, right? You cannot separate the Word from Christ or Christ from the Word. They are one and the same in the sense that they all come from the Spirit of God. Okay, so John 1.1, 1, 1, I just wanted to put in here because it's a scripture that most of us are familiar with. And then also I wanted to include 2 Corinthians 5.21 because most of the time when people are also describing the nature of Christ, they talk about his sinless nature, right? The only man to walk the earth who did not 
sin. So sinless nature of Christ comes from 2 Corinthians 5.21 that says, For God made Christ, who never sinned or knew no sin, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Here's another example of just the unfathomable love of God that he would gift to us the ability to be redeemed from the curse of the law and from sin through the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior. So um, his sinless nature is something else that for him is what I call an inborn or an innate characteristic of who he is, okay? So uh, the deity of Christ, the tripart being um, his connection to the word, being the word, and then his sinless nature are all fundamental parts of his divine nature. And then, so what I was saying earlier was that tonight, our main focus of our topic of discussion, however, is going to sort of move into looking beyond the divinity or the supernatural aspects of the nature of Christ, and is going to focus a little bit more on the practical or the human aspects of his nature while he was here on the earth. And that goes to speak to like his personality, his character. Remember, we opened up this series talking about character in relation to how we are as humans. Um, personality, character, behavior, demeanor, mindset, values, etc. Those types of things are what I'm going to dissect for you all tonight based on scripture. And again, I pray that even the parts that seem familiar to you will birth new revelation to you tonight. That again, we will be able to leave here with a heightened awareness and understanding of not only who Jesus is, but who we are in him. Amen? All right. So that is our goal for tonight, is to look at this, these aspects and these elements of the nature of Christ. So basically, what we have to ask ourselves is... How does the nature of Christ differ from the character of Christ? This is the question that came to me while I was putting together these notes because oftentimes, just like when we were in the series about good deeds, I kind of interchange the word deeds with works. And sometimes that is applicable and it's appropriate. But then I thought about if we're talking about the character of Christ and the nature of Christ, are we talking about the same thing? Now, I don't want to confuse you guys, but I just want to share with you what the revelation is that I got about a potential difference in this. I think about the nature versus nurture sort of philosophy, if you will. And I believe that when we were teaching on character, again, as it pertains to us, we were talking about things that we have learned from experience, let's just say. We learned how to be kind and giving and generous. And, you know, our morals were instilled in us through experience. And I believe that that's the nurture side of developing character. But I feel like the nature part is, again, that innate trait or aspect that you don't have to be taught and you don't have to learn because it's just in you, okay? Now, sometimes those two are, um, they're not necessarily mutually exclu exclusive. They can be one and the same sometimes. For instance, um, I, some people have a very, um, they're just kind by nature. Like you just know, like they, the old term, they wouldn't harm a fly kind of thing, you know, and you think of Mother Teresa and you think of people in just certain uh, walks of life and you just know they were born with it, you know, whatever that it is. Okay, and then for some of us, most of us, <laughs> we have to be taught that or we have to learn or experience that through life. And it's possible that we can. We will develop those things. But I just believe that uh, 
there's a difference, and I believe in the, as it pertains to Christ. Remember how I said you can't separate him from his word. I don't believe you can separate Christ's character from his nature because for him and him alone, those two are one in the same. Does that make sense to you guys out there? So I believe that that's going to bring some revelation as we're going through this tonight. Um, I thought about an example of trying to explain the uh, character and the uh, nature of someone. So for me, it's in my nature to be womanly because I am a woman, right? So the femininity comes naturally to me. And I don't have to necessarily learn that because it's in my nature. However, if I were to have been exposed to an environment where let's just say I grew up with all you know boys or men in the family or what kind of whatever you want to put it, my demeanor and my character might be a little more masculine or whatnot. But that was just sort of a um, an example of how some things you're just born with and other things you have to be taught in the character version of our series versus what we're going to talk about tonight on the nature side of our series. Okay? Yes, sir. Got a question. You certainly may. Right. So the question is, could, regarding our nature, can the environment have an influence on that nature being developed or... Okay. Right. I believe so. I believe that environment can impact your nature, if you will. Um, the question in, had asked about uh, being raised in an affluent versus a non-affluent environment and that kind of thing. And that's why I said, you know, it's not always mutually exclusive, but I believe that, as, again, as we go through here tonight, what we're going to see in regards to the nature of Christ we're going to see that regardless of what his environment was and regardless of who he was around, right, his nature remained the same, if that makes sense, okay? And so I think, again, for us, we're going to have our, we're not sinless the way Christ was, so we are going to have different um, elements and different factors, right, that influence this, but I just wanted to definitely, yes, bring that uh, level of awareness so that we can gauge you know, where we are, what we're capable of. And then in the end of the day, honestly, it all goes back to we need to lean on him to be able to do any of this stuff anyway, right? So um, I hope that answers a part of your question. The second part of my statement or question is that that impact that you're talking about, <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter where you're at. Sorry, that's what Travis just said. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. The, it, if it's in you, you have to receive it. It has to be um, given an opportunity, right, to be manifested, yeah, if you will. I that because I've seen the reverse nature of that where uh, a person comes out of the south side of the tracks and they're just a wonderful person. Mm. They're just glowing. Okay. That's right. That's right. You would some that it factor. Absolutely. Yeah. We've we've experienced that. Where, like you said, depending on where you uh, come from, what people. I mean, that's how um, you know stereotypes and things like that get started in things because you have an expectation based on you know what it is. However, and that's what we were talking about. You know, before about character. You know, and being able to um, have an opportunity to grow. Remember how we talked about spiritual maturity and growing our roots deep and stuff like that? I think that, you know, and I pray, my prayer is for everybody. You know, God says that he's, he's, every one of us has been given, right, the measure of faith, you know, and that type of thing. And I believe that the nature, his nature, he told us, he's got, he's given it to all of us. Now, whether or not that is made manifest, again, based on whether it's environment, based on the choices that we make or whatnot, that's our obligation that I believe we have to to do that. So, um, yeah, never judge a book by its cover kind of thing, you know, and it's never, 
a done deal, like if you were born in this time or in this age or in this area, that you cannot come to a place to have this type of uh, moral excellence or whatever the case may be. Absolutely not. There is nothing that is too hard for our God. And I think that's another reason why we do things like coming to studies like this, is to make sure that we're continuing to equip and grow ourselves so that we can then go out there and share that good news that, hey, it's not over till it's over, or you can change this and you have that power and the ability to do so. So, Absolutely. The power and influence of church is essential to uh, building disciples and growing God's people. So, absolutely. Pastor Chuck is a great leader. This is going to be a good series. Tonight and next week, again, combined to the total with this uh, topic of information, I think is going to be really, really, really good. So, thank you, sir, for, for sharing that, because that gives us a lot of enlightenment on <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Chuck. You are doing a great job, apparently. That, you know. Now, how much did you pay him to sit in there and say that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I owe yous. All right. Well, see, there's the whole question right there. The next question that I have is why study the nature of Christ? Well, a simple answer is because, again, his life gave us the blueprint on how our lives should be a reflection um, as, as Christians, right? He set the ultimate bar, basically, right? We're going to pattern ourselves after what he did, what he said, how he did it while he was here living as a man in the earth, okay? So for me, again, my goal is that we will use this model or this blueprint of the nature of Christ as a mirror to make sure that we are reflecting to the best of our ability these aspects and these components that we're going to look at here tonight. So if you don't mind, let's just look at some of those aspects, right, that we're going to get straight from the good old word, and a lot of these will come from uh, the Gospels, and I tried to, uh, bless you, use different translations, different um, Gospels, you know, there's different accounts um, in all four Gospels, I happen to like Luke and how it was written, you know. Uh, but again, you will be familiar with these, and it may sound just a slightly different depending on which book we're reading it from and which translation I have. So with that being said, the nature of Christ, what are some of the aspects or traits of his nature based on what we've seen in Scripture and what we're going to mirror and pattern ourselves after? The very first aspect that I have for you guys tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is that it was in Christ's nature to seek to please the Father. Like, that was his aim, was to seek pleasing the Father. And so for you and I, this is what we should do, is have, and remember that word seek is not a passive word, right? It is a very intentional and purposeful word. Yes, it is a verb. It is some action that we need to take to seek to be pleasing the Father. And so what I want to do is look at John chapter 8, 29. And this was Jesus speaking who says, the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Can you imagine what our lives would look like if every day we asked that question, is what I'm doing pleasing to him? I try to ask that all the time because it is an instant convictor. <laughs> it is an instant way to recalibrate myself when I look at what I'm doing or saying and I say, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I know that wasn't pleasing to you. Or, oh, thank you, Lord, for allowing me to do this. I know that it was pleasing in your sight. May everything, that's part of my morning prayer, may everything I do and say be pleasing in your sight. This was a part of who Jesus was, was to please the Father. And he also said in John chapter 6, 38, part of the reason of why he came, he says, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So it was in Christ's nature to do the will of God, and therefore it should be our aim to do 
the will of the Father, to please him and to do his will. Because ladies and gentlemen, we know in John chapter 4, 34, that Jesus said, I have to be about my father's business. And he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work, to finish his work. So again, you get up in the morning, your aim should be to please him, to do his will and say, okay, Lord, what's on the agenda today? What, what, what work are we going to do today? Let me partake with you and be partners with you in bringing glory to your kingdom today. This is something that, again, as we mature and grow up spiritually, we get this, ladies and gentlemen, and again, the church gets this. We can change what it is we're over here complaining about that is happening in the world today. And I just believe it starts right there with a heart and developing a strong sense of who we are, who's in us, and this is it right here that we're looking at tonight. So he is about his father's business. We need to be about the father's business and be willing to assist in completing the work that needs. There's a work that needs to be done in the earth, and it takes each and every one of us to do our part in order to make it happen. Amen? Okay, so again, that is just the way that the rest of this format tonight is going to go is highlighting some of these aspects of Christ's nature um, according to Scripture. So I want to look at another aspect. I want to look at another way in which Christ lived his life and what was in his nature. It was in his nature to not only please the Father and to do his will, but to seek his authorization. To seek his authorization. What do I mean by that? Inquiring of the Lord, right? Inquiring of the Lord. It was, what do I do and what do I say? He, there were many, you know, and i <laughs> trying to put this together in a short one hour. I said, okay, I got to choose which scriptures to put in and which ones not. So there are plenty of scriptures that talk to or speak to Christ inquiring of the Lord and telling people, hey, I only do and say what I see and hear my father do and say. And I really believe that, again, if we as Christians, as believers, can adopt that aspect of the nature of Christ to seek and inquire of the Lord for authorization for everything that we say and do, we will have a lot less <laughs> trouble and problems in our lives. Not that they'll go away completely, but we want to be able to minimize those, right? And this is one way we can do that. And it's from the big things to the little things. A lot of times, yeah, we got the big things. We'll ask him about, we'll inquire about. But you know, when you grow up spiritually, it's even the little things that you inquire of the Lord about. And it could be something as simple as everybody, we just went through the new year, so everybody had their resolutions, right? And everybody's had, we talked about how they have their, uh, their weight goals, right? That they want to meet for the resolution. And there are times when you commit to doing and living a certain way and eating a certain way. And you'll say, I remember there was a time, it was a couple years ago, and it had to be diet related, I think, if I'm recalling correctly. And um, I was staying away from something. Let's just say it was sugar. So donuts, cookies, brownies, all those things that, you know, <laughs> indulge the soul, right? And I remember literally, I must have been in so much emotional bondage about eating a flipping donut that my mother finally said, girl, just ask the Lord if you could eat that donut and get over it kind of thing. And literally we laugh, but the little things, he cares so much about us that even that he will answer you. And he said, girl, eat the donut. I said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> right? You know, so the little things to the big things, you know, whether it's seeking where to, you know, change jobs, you know, or where to serve or who to marry. Come on now. Right? So we really need to understand the importance of the value in seeking authorization from the Lord. Now, when you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, a lot of times that dialogue happens sort of, um, what's the word, where you do it without noticing it kind of thing, you know, so you don't have to be so, yes, so some self subconsciously in that kind of thing, because I know I'm constantly in conversations with the Lord and the Holy Spirit throughout the day to where I don't, I know that if I am going in the wrong direction or I'm about to do something or eat something, he told me not I'll get that check in that conviction. So it doesn't always have to be an, an overt question, but 
that's another reason why, again, you have to commune with the Lord and the Holy Spirit so that you can have that type of conviction. So I think um, also on here, I do have the scripture from John chapter 8, verse 28, that I want to read to you from Jesus, who says, um, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of my own, but speak exactly what the Father has taught me. So there was one example here, and this is, um, again, expressed in many different ways throughout the gospel. So it's kind of like my father used to say, pump your brakes. Whenever we were getting a little bit too far ahead of him or whatnot, he said, all right, pump your brakes, you know. And so we need to slow down sometimes and just say, hey, wait a minute, is this where I need to be? Is this what God wants me to do? Uh, what has God taught me about this so that I am, again, in my lane and giving God an opportunity to use me the way excuse me, that he needs to for his glory. So for us, we just need to make sure that we are in the earth, not only, I believe, inquiring of the Lord, but again, he puts people in our lives and in our circle. And so seeking wise counsel, I believe, fits into this aspect of uh, inquiring of the Lord. And that's what the Holy Spirit is there for, is to teach us and to guide us. So Make sure that you are conscious about that as well. Amen? You guys still with me out there? Yeah. All right, awesome. Okay, so with that being said, let's look at another. That, so that's two aspects. Let's look at another aspect. I meant to number these. It would be easier. So we went through pleasing the Father, seeking authorization. Let's look at another aspect of the nature of Christ. It is totally... Um, clear in the word that Christ valued intimacy with the Father. Christ valued intimacy with the Father. So, you know, in order to be about his Father's business, and yet, you know, the throngs of people were always wanting him and needing him, and he knew when to take time out to, what, pray most of the time. That was the first thing they did, and we're going to talk about that in the series as well. But intimacy with the Father, that was in his nature. I mean, he came from him, right? So intimacy was just what they did naturally. It came naturally, and it should come naturally for you and I to be intimate with the Lord. You know, in the beginning, it's hard, definitely, you know, because we don't have that relationship. There is no trust built there, you know, and that kind of thing. But for those of us who have been walking with the Lord, for any number of years, this should be our aim, is to grow more and more every day. I say, Lord, help me to uh, know you more better today than I did yesterday. And what's so great about him is he's, so, he's infinite, so there's always more growing, more learning, more knowing to do, right? This is the, the, we never can wake up and say, oh, well, did that, nothing else for me to do today. No, no, no. We get to keep going with this, and it's so amazing because he has our best interests at heart. We talked about this throughout many of the series where he never asks us to do anything that isn't going to benefit us. So we never have to feel like we're, I guess the temperature might have changed in the room because I see my ladies are kind of chilly over there now. <laughs> um, but it's just one of those things that being intimate with him. Now, just let the Lord put his arms around you, honey, to warm you up, okay? <laughs> I think pastor's going to check on the heater for that. <laughs> All right, so let's look at a scripture here from John. John 15, 10, and we're talking about intimacy with the Father, and this being a part of the nature of Christ. It says, if you keep my commandments, you will, what, abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, this scripture I love because that word abide. If you're talking about intimacy and you use that word abide, those two go hand in hand. Because when he says, if you abide in me, abide means to live in, to take up residence, to settle down in, to get all nice and cozy in, right? You know, and so we need to abide in his love and keep his commandments. Jesus said, just as I have 
kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So we should be living in intimacy with God. That is the nature of Christ. And that comes from having a consecrated life. Amen? We, we have to master the heart of consecration because that's, again, the environment in which intimacy can develop and grow. And for me, I just kind of pulled out these key words when we're talking about consecration, devote and dedicate oneself. Sorry. There we go. Thank you. All right. So we are, John, John 15, 10 was the scripture, and then consecration is where we're at, about devoting and dedicating ourselves to God, to worshiping him, to living a life of holiness and of service, those types of things. We should be devoted. The nature of Christ, he was a devoted man. Was he not? He was devoted, and that came from the intimacy that he developed. He dedicated himself to worshiping, to living holy, and to service of others. That is his nature, okay? And I'll give you guys just a second to kind of catch up if you wanted to write that, that down. Intimacy with the Father. And what I've learned, you know, again, over the years as we're growing and maturing and things, before, it would seem like it would take a long time to develop this intimacy. And what I mean is like before, you know, when we're first starting out, and even for some that just, again, maybe are still, we talked about this last week too, are on the milk of the word and aren't really into the meat of the word, it might take you three hours to get something out of reading the word or being in a service or doing it. I could sit down for five minutes and feel fulfilled and and feel close to God. And that's because I've developed the habit of spending time with him. And it's not an occasional hit or miss kind of thing. So what normally used to take me, you know, a full church service just to come away with just one nugget of truth or revelation, I sit down and before praise and worship is over, I'm already, right, especially if I'm a note taker and I'm writing things down, I've already got three pages of stuff, you know, or I'm just so full that I used to tell the Lord, God, I love coming to church, but the, the, the flip side of that is I have to leave and I don't want to leave, Lord, you know, and he said, it's all right. You came, you got what you need to be able to go out there. Remember, we said we got work to do. So I was like, okay, Lord, let's go. We got work to do, you know, but at the end of the day, to make sure that we return back to the presence of God in that intimate, quiet time, right, to be replenished and re restored in our souls so that, again, we can receive the gift of sleep and wake up and do it all over again the next day with, you know, great anticipation and not resentment or begrudgingly kind of thing, okay? So I really, really, really want to emphasize that the nature of Christ was to be intimate with the Father, and therefore you and I shall do that, to devote ourselves to that, okay? So now that I've got the screen caught up, let's move on. Actually, what I want to do is I want to sort of um, summarize, if you will, some of the things that we were just talking about for those first couple of aspects. What does all that mean? the authorization, the seeking God's uh, authorization and approval and pleasing him and doing his will and being intimate with him. Jesus always knew his why. In the personal growth and development industry that I'm in, they talk about know your why, the why behind the what. Why is it that you do what you do, that you say what you say, that you feel like you feel. Why? Know why. Jesus knew why he did everything that he did. And so for you and I to take that, again, as a lesson and as a mirror of how we should be living our lives, everything we do should have a purpose. You know, even if, again, the purpose is seemingly minuscule, there's a reason for it, right? There's a reason for everything that we do. There was a reason for everything that Jesus did. Not only did he always know his why, but I feel like what we've talked about means that the nature of Christ was to be 
always assignment and purpose driven. It was in his nature to be on assignment. That's just what he did. He was purpose driven. That was in his nature. Many of the stories, again, when we read the Gospels, that's what they reflect. Okay, that's what they reflect, that the nature of Christ is always assignment and purpose driven. Not only that, he was always impact and outcome driven. Again, he didn't do anything for not. Even the seemingly little things had a purpose, had an impact, and he was seeking an outcome. Okay, so this was in his nature. This is what we need to do to elevate our lives, step up our game, if you will, and model a life that represents the way Christ lived his life. He was very intentional, very proactive. I think someone said that word earlier today. Okay, and this is also what resides on the inside of us that we may need to expose ourselves to the right people and places and the word, of course, and how it's delivered and who is delivered from to be able to draw these things out and, again, make them a matter of habit, right? It should be a matter of habit that you just wake up with assignment on your mind, with outcome and purpose and driven and impact, impact on your mind, ladies and gentlemen, okay? This is going to be a good 2019. We adopt this, we implement this, and there will be change. There will be change coming. So a um, couple more summary points for what we've talked about so far. He was always ministry-minded, and that goes to that relationship with the Father again. There was ministry in why he was sent, right? There was ministry in the way he did the things that he did. So I believe that it was in his nature to be ministry-minded, ministry-minded. And of course, always goal-oriented and mission-minded. These are just all kinds of words that just sort of grow and expand our thought of who Christ was. Very dynamic man of God in the earth. And goal-oriented. Again, he had a purpose. He was mission-minded. And it was so funny because we know what the ultimate mission was, right? He ended up at the cross. He had to go. He had to be um, crucified and raised again. So that's the ultimate mission. And again, we'll talk about some of these things a little bit later. But from the beginning, there was a mission. And from the beginning, even when we have that um, 30-year you know, uh, lapse, if you will, as far as what he was uh, doing before he started his ministry, he was being prepped for the mission, being prepped for the mission, for the goal of why he came. And of course, all of this wraps up into being eternally minded, eternally minded. It was the nature of Christ. I used to say, you know, it was, <laughs> this is going to either date me or tell a little bit about my background. But there was a song that said, I got my mind on my money and my money on my mind or something like that. It used to go. I'm just going to say it like that. So for our dear Savior, eternity was on his mind, right? 24-7. And I think we, ladies and gentlemen, can benefit from having that type of mindset, recognizing that that seed of nature of being consciously focused on the big picture, if you will, that it doesn't stop or end here, that again, we have a job to do, and it is ultimately to save souls and reside with our Father in heaven for an eternity. And I think when sometimes that helps me get through, and I believe it helped even Jesus get through, and we'll see this too, you know, we, we get so stuck in the moment, right? We do get so stuck in the now based on our circumstances and how we feel. But if we could just move the needle a bit more towards that eternally minded, we could say, oh, okay. Because we know there's light at the end of the tunnel, right? We know there's a promise to be had. We know that 
there will come a day where there'll be no more tears, there'll be no more pain and that type of thing. And it sounds all good to say, you know, when you're feeling good, but I pray that we remember this in those moments when we face hard times to be eternally minded. Does that sound good to you guys? I really, really loved doing this portion of the the series because, again, it just took one simple little term, nature of Christ, and extracted so many different layers of our everyday practical living that we can walk away saying, oh, okay, I get it now, right? You know, it's not so hard or so complicated to understand um, who Christ was and who I am here in the earth. So, that's um, sort of a, a summary and a recap of the first few aspects that we talked about. So let's move on to a couple more. I really believe that the nature of Christ was that he knew that having, he had power and authority over the enemy. So authority, having authority was in his nature. He had authority and power over the enemy. And of course... Um, in order to live with that type of authority, you can't live timidly. So timidity was not in the nature of Christ, okay? The scripture even tells us he, you know, God did not give us the spirit of fear or timidity, and he definitely didn't give it to um, Christ. Now, that wasn't mean that we didn't feel it, but we didn't operate or live by that fear and that timidity, okay? So there's a, there's a, Distinction there that we want to make sure we understand. Let me read Matthew 28, 18. It says, And Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So when he did walk the earth, he let people know. He let people know. He let the demons know. He said, Listen, I got authority and I'm not afraid to use it. Amen? (laughs) I think we need to adopt that little mantra right there. I've got authority and I'm not afraid to use it. And the interesting thing is, I think we talked about this maybe in a few earlier series about, you know, people aren't our enemy. They may act like our enemies, but people are not our enemies. We need to direct our authority to the enemy and put him in his place. But you can't do that if you don't know that you have authority and you don't know what the word says. So we have to be in this to know because um, the Bible even says, even the demons know the, you know, the scripture, even the demons believe. So we got to make sure that we want up that, you know, because he loved. The only thing that the enemy can do is manipulate and deceive and distort, right? We have the truth. And so we need to stand on the truth of the fact that we have been given power. He's defeated. He was defeated 2,000 years ago. And we can still to this day operate in that authority. So I beseech you my brothers and sisters, okay, to walk in the authority that you have over the enemy. Let's look at Luke 10, 19. Um, That was uh, Luke 10, 19. Behold, this is Jesus talking, because now for the first in Matthew 28, 18, he talks about how God gave him the authority. But now he talks about how he transferred that authority to you and I. So it says, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over how much power of the enemy? All of the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. It's covered, ladies and gentlemen. It's covered. We have been given the authority. Remember, the benefit of being partakers of the nature of Christ is that the authority that resided on the inside of him resides on the inside of you because what greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world? Come on, somebody, okay? So really, really, really important to know that it takes confidence to do this, right? That's what I'm up here hoping that I'm displaying to you all is the confidence that I have in the power and authority that Christ has given to me to trample over all the powers of the enemies and nothing shall by any means hurt me. No weapon formed against me will prosper. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is the nature of who he was, just by nature, authority driven. Amen? All right. All right. So let me move a little along here and give you guys another aspect that I love about our Savior. Oh my, he had the nature to endure adversity 
in opposition. Ladies and gentlemen, our Lord was not a quitter. It wasn't in his nature. It wasn't his nature. He's, he's not a quitter. He endured adversity and opposition. What I want to read to you next is from Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. And it's a little small on the screen, so I'll read it slowly here. But listen to this kind of encompasses that entire first line about adversity and opposition. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up or entangles us, right? And let us run with perseverance the race set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Some translations say the author and finisher of our faith. Here we go. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Okay, he endured the cross because he knew the joy that was coming. Scorning its shame, putting it to shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you and I will not grow weary and lose heart. Ladies and gentlemen, with what Christ went through, what he suffered, what he endured, he did that for you and I so that we could overcome, right? So that we won't have to lose heart and grow weary in fear of defeat because he's given us the victory. So it is in his nature to fight for us. Amen? That was in his nature. Is What he did was all for that. So I just really, you know, I pointed out some of, you can't really see it on here, the the bold words here, but perseverance, okay, enduring and opposition. He had to endure that, and that was in his nature. You and I, our experiences, that's what's going to develop those things in us, the adversity that we grow through. Again, different uh, scriptures point to that, the purpose of trials and tribulations, and that if you don't give up and lose heart and grow weary, there will be a reward that you will develop the character, the strength, the hope, the patience, right, to get through this life. So um, I'm, in a couple weeks, I'm going to be speaking to a group of school children. Y'all pray for me. Okay. Uh, 250 kids between the K, uh, K through 8. And the theme and the topic is Jesus is my superhero. And when I think about what he did for me, right, and what I think about what he's infused me with power with, I get excited. And so to be able to go and teach, right, the gospel from a position of victory and authority so that from a young age they know that they can trample over all the power of the enemy. Amen? And this is just, this is for you and I, and it's there's no expiration date on this stuff, you guys. That's what gets me excited, too. Maybe we missed it in the past. Maybe we didn't get it. Maybe we're still trying to get it. But you know what? His mercies endure forever. So we can and we will. Amen? All right. So I am <laughs> almost done. So I'm going to give you guys this last main topic of the nature of Christ, this aspect for tonight. Let's look at... Uh, the next one here. We talked about opposition, uh, enduring adversity and opposition, that he wasn't a quitter, but he also endured temptation, right? He also endured temptation. Christ, the overcomer, that's his nature, the overcomer. And therefore, in us, we are overcomers. Amen? So enduring temptation, let's just look at a few scriptures to support this uh, aspect of Christ's nature. And I highlighted Hebrews 4.15 that says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we were, yet without sin. So, Again, there isn't anything that we aren't going through that Christ didn't already pave the way for and succeed at, and his victory is transferable 
it, it transfers to us, right? So we can do this. And uh, adding another layer to that in Hebrews 12:4, it said that, you know, Jesus was the one who resisted temptation to the point of shedding blood. And I don't know about you, but I've never had to resist, I've never succeeded at resisting temptation to the point of shedding blood. And so it's just a matter of recognizing the nature of who he was, what he was willing to go through to achieve, remember, that mission and that goal and that impact and all of that stuff that we talked about. This is what he did. It was in his nature to endure the temptation. Um, and he overcame it and endured it. And this is what I talked about earlier by praying and quoting the word. When the enemy came to him in uh, chapter four of Luke, and I believe it's chapter four of all the gospels, you know, and he had a little, he had a little offer for Jesus, right? And uh, what did Jesus respond with? The word, you know, and that's what we need to do in order to have the same victory and to overcome in temptation is to declare the word. Don't just speak it. You need to declare it. Remember, authority, okay? And by prayer and supplication, prayer and supplication. So uh, the last scripture on this slide here is John 16, and it says, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. And I have a uh, what do you call it? A typo on here. At least on mine I do. Let's see. Uh, in, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world, yes, you will have tribulation. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take courage. I, meaning Jesus, have overcome the world. And so Christ the overcomer being an overcomer is in his nature, and therefore it is in you and I. So tonight, as you think about whatever it is that you may be facing, whatever you may be going through, whatever you may be struggling with, you go back and you review the notes, and you recall and you meditate till it becomes an immovable truth for you, rooted and grounded in these truths that the nature of Christ resides on the inside of you, and you add that to a strong character, which we talked about a few weeks ago, and again, I believe the change that we need to see in the world will take place. I believe that the work that God needs us to do, we will now be better positioned and better equipped to be able to do for his glory and to be able to empower others to do the same. There's a lot of people that we can share this information with here tonight in this practical, straightforward kind of way that will enable them to do what they thought they could never do. That would never be possible, right? So I pray that that information enriched your understanding about, again, who Christ is and who you are. And the good news is this was just part one. <laughs> okay, and so I have um, a few more things to share with you guys next week, but for tonight, we are actually going to be at our conclusion. So I always tell people, I know I just, I, I feed, give you a, a plate full of stuff, you know, and you're like, wait, I'm still trying to digest this. It's okay, you got seven days till we come back again to process and digest, to take notes, to ask questions, to inquire. Again, I don't have all the answers, but I'm open to any kind of discussion that you may have. Your pastor is here to have a conversation with you, and of course, the Holy Spirit petition God and inquire of the Lord and help him or allow him to give you illumination of what went forth here tonight. Amen? Okay, so in closing, you guys know that I always give you a lovely accountability assignment. It's never really too hard, but basically what I want you guys to do is just kind of highlight three things. Highlight three things that you may have learned new tonight or that you might have received new insight about regarding the nature of Christ tonight. Maybe you didn't think of it in that way, and tonight now you are thinking about it in that way. Examine the areas of your life where the nature of Christ is being demonstrated successfully in your own life, as well as those areas where we need to improve, because we always need to improve, and we need to be humble enough to know that we still got some work to do ourselves. 
okay? But we want to run with those things, and we do have strengths, and we want to make sure that we're running with that and continuing to develop that as well. So just, you know, maybe highlight three things that were new or enlightening to you. Examine yourself about how much of the nature of Christ is being demonstrated in your own life. And then, of course, what's up next is next week we will do part two, and I'll give you a little hint. Uh, I believe the majority of that topic of conversation is going to look towards the servanthood and the leadership of Christ, that part of his nature. And, of course, we'll look through Scripture and see how we can uh, mirror and implement that. So, if you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead while I still have not so much of a dry mouth. I'm going to pray us out, and then I'll let Pastor come up and give us some closing announcements. So let's go before the Lord in closing prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, oh my, what an awesome privilege it is to be here tonight. Thank you for the breath of life that is in our bodies, that we are able to stand here and come here tonight and give you glory, Lord God. We thank you for loving us, which enables us to then love others to love you, Father God. We thank you for your precious Holy Spirit that is patiently teaching us your word, Lord God. I pray that every word that went forth fell into good ground, the hearts of your people, and will yield a mighty harvest. So I commit again this night and this meeting to you, Lord God, and I pray that you are with us as we travel home safely and that again you will gift us the, the gift of rest and sleep tonight and wake us up tomorrow healthy, happy, and blessed for your glory. These things I commit to you and everyone who agreed with that prayer in Jesus' name said amen. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. It's been my pleasure and honor tonight. I felt really good. No headache. See, see the difference when I don't have no migraine? It's just something. <laughs>